0: Would you please stand if you are able for the hearing of God's Word? When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of this world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself so that they may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, and you may take your seats. First thing, we must understand that this is a prayer that you and I cannot pray. Only Jesus can pray this prayer. John 17 has been called the greatest chapter in all the Bible. The great Scottish reformer John Knox, while on his deathbed, for over two weeks he had his wife read John 17 to him every single day. Because he said concerning this great chapter, this is the place where I cast my first anchor." Now, all throughout the Gospels, we read that Jesus often prayed, and usually his prayers lasted all night long. But we know very little about the content of those prayers. We know that he prayed often, but we don't know what he prayed. But here, we know what he prayed. The main point of Jesus' high priestly prayer is for the eternal security of God's people, because there is a greater Son who has accomplished their salvation. One of the questions that has intrigued me all week is this, why is Jesus audibly praying this prayer at this time? Why does he pray what he says rather than teach what he says? He's just been teaching his disciples about his departure, how he's going to go and return to his father and that he won't leave them as orphans. He will send his Holy Spirit to indwell them, to comfort them, and to remind them of all of the things that he has taught them. Jesus knows that their hearts are troubled. He knows that they are filled with sorrow because he will no longer be with them. So why not continue teaching them? Why pray at this point? I think the reason why is because the best way to know what is really in somebody's heart is to hear them pray. Jesus is audibly praying so that his disciples can see what is in his heart so that they can see the passion that he has for his Father's glory, so that they can see the concern he has for their eternal security. In just a few short hours from now, Jesus is going to be betrayed by Judas. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be handed over to the authorities, and then he's going to be put before Pontius Pilate, where his disciples then are going to flee in fear for their lives. The world, their world, is going to be turned upside down. All of their hopes are going to be crushed. They won't understand why all these things are happening. And because of this, Jesus wants them to hear what is in his heart. As he pours out his heart to his father. And then hands them over to his care. See, what is in Jesus' heart is what has always been in his heart. The most amazing thing about this prayer is that we actually get a glimpse into the eternal counsel of the Trinity before the world was even created. Jesus' prayer reveals a plan that was discussed between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit before the creation of the world, before God created the heavens and the earth, before God created man in his own image, before he crowned Adam and Eve with the glory of being his son and daughter, before he gave Adam and Eve dominion over all that he has made, before all of this, God knew that Adam would rebel against him. God knew that Adam would trust in Satan's word over his word. God knew that Adam would spurn his love, that he would throw his rule off in an attempt to try to rule his own life. God knew that Adam's sin was gonna bring corruption, was going to bring death, was going to bring darkness into the world, affecting all that God has made. Jesus' prayer reveals that before Adam's sin, God had a plan to deal with sin and to save us from what our sins deserve. This plan originates with the Father. It is carried out and accomplished by the Son. The benefits are then applied and given to God's people by the Holy Spirit, which means before the, salvation of the, before the foundation of the world, your salvation was on God's mind. It was perfectly planned before all eternity. Which means you and I were the object of God's mind and heart before he laid the foundations of the world. From all eternity, God has set his affection and love upon his people which means there has never been a time when you have not occupied God's mind. There has never been a time when you are not occupied in his heart because from all eternity, God has planned to save you, which means that there is nothing in time that can change that. In Jesus' prayer, we see how God has planned to save you. Because salvation originates and is planned by the Father, the Son agrees to carry out and accomplish that plan. In the eternal counsel of the Trinity, the Son says, I will go. I will do everything that you command me to do. I will carry out your plan. I will do what Adam failed to do. I will lay aside my glory and rights as God in order to take on flesh and become like them. I will be the greater Adam, the greater Son. I will represent your people. I will experience everything that they experience. I will become their sorrows. I will carry their burdens and their iniquities. I will teach them and show them the great love that you have for them. I will perfectly obey your laws, never once putting my interests above yours. I will fulfill your law for them because they will fail. Because my life revolves around you, I will revolve my life around them. I will serve them. I will exalt them. I will never turn away from doing them good, because I will willingly lay down my life for them and suffer the penalty for what their sins deserve. I will allow the religious leaders to falsely accuse me, to hand me over to Pontius Pilate, where they will crucify me on a cross. I will allow them to beat me, to torture me, to strip me, to humiliate me. I will stay on the cross until all of your wrath for all of their sin is exhaustively poured out on me. And your justice is satisfied. I will... (laughs) I will endure your displeasure. I will face your back as you forsake me, so that they will always have your face shining upon them. I will do all of this so that they may know that you will always be for them, never against them, that you will always delight in them that your love will never change nor end towards them. Why is Jesus praying this prayer at this time and why has John recorded it? So that Jesus' disciples, so that you and I would rest secure in an accomplished salvation that was planned for all eternity. It was achieved and won in history by the life, by the death, and by the resurrection of God's obedient Son. And then it is given to God's people as a gift that will endure for all eternity. So I leave you with this. How do we know that God the Father answered his Son's high priestly prayer. Because he turned down his prayer in the garden of Gethsemane. Amen.